0: Welcome to Scooby Shack Radio, Episode 8, recorded Sunday, June 23rd, 2019. SuperShack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Well, we're officially into summer 2019. And again, thanks for uh, listening to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Serapino. We just got back uh, this afternoon from our latest open water certification dives up in Jamestown, Rhode Island at Fort Weatherall. And I'd like to offer our congratulations to our six new Scuba Shack divers. Uh, they were real happy about the outcome, and we hope to see them all in the water really soon conditions up at Fort Weatherall were spectacular this weekend. It was really a great weekend up there. Uh, sun was shining, uh, low humidity, nice breezes, water was calm, and, and the water is uh, warming up nicely um, this time of year. I had 65 in the shallow parts of the, uh, the dives today, and uh, when we got a little bit deeper, I think we were clocking in at around 61 degrees, so getting uh, really nice and warm up here. Uh, earlier this week, we also had the uh, opportunity to attend a Patty update. Uh, our, rep, our regional representative came up, and uh, uh, we had a couple of hours with him to go over all the good stuff that's happening with PADI. Uh, and uh, we're real happy about uh, what we heard and are looking forward uh, to 2019 and all the stuff that's happening uh, with PADI. I'm going to start off this week uh, talking a little bit about deep diving. I'm going to talk about deep diving from a recreational perspective. So, just what connotates deep diving? According to most of the training organizations, they talk about any dive uh, that goes below 60 feet, and that's considered uh, deep diving. Why is that? You know, I wasn't really sure, so I thought maybe I'd do a little research. And, you know, we know from our open water certification dives that as a, just as a basic open water diver, our depth limit is 60 feet. But that doesn't really explain why. Um, so I, I did some little bit of research, and, and there's a section in uh, Alex Brilski's book uh, called The Complete Diver t- uh, titled Deep Diving Reexamined. And um, according to Dr. Brilski, he talks about what he considers deep diving, and, and his range is between 50 and 130 feet, um, or as he uh, likes to describe it, it's the forgotten 50 feet. It, it really is an interesting little chapter that also discussed some of the things that you got to consider uh, before you, you determine you're going to go deeper than the 60 feet open water mark. And he talks about things like experience and training. Now, now I know when I first started diving, I didn't really do a lot of dives uh, that were deep. I think uh, my first dive below 50 feet was twenty-seven. Was dive number 27. And uh, we did that in Hawaii at Mempachi Caves. So I had done a lot, you know, 25, 26 shallow dives uh, all above 50 feet before I ventured uh, any lower. i had also done uh, quite a bit of pool training, you know, having taken peak performance buoyancy classes and some other things. Uh, Even still, uh, going deep uh, was different, especially with gas consumption. I I brooned through my tank really quickly. Um, So why go deeper? I know a lot of our divers like shipwrecks, and many of them are deeper than the 60-foot mark. And also, a lot of our divers like to go on a wall and observe all the things that live on the wall. And uh, a lot of the walls are a little bit deeper than uh, than the 60-foot mark. There are really a lot of good reasons to venture below 60 feet. I'm going to change it up a little bit, though, from what Dr. Brilski talks about, that range of uh, 80 to 130 feet. And for me, it's a little simpler. I, my range is 30 feet. Uh, And that's between 70 and 100 feet. Why? Well, because that's where I get the maximum benefit from nitrox 32 gas, where I'm controlling both my nitrogen uh, absorption as well as keeping my partial pressure of oxygen within a good range. And most of everything that I want to see is going to be in that 70 to 100 foot mark. When we do our advanced open water training uh, at Dutch Springs in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, we have a spot that we like to go to, a little pit out there, and uh, that pit gets to our divers down to about 90 feet. And 90 feet's a good depth for them. It's cold, but it gives us all the depth experience that we need. So for me, it's the 100 foot limit is where I consider deep diving. Now, the paddy uh, deep diving specialty uh, class is, is a pretty intense class. It's four deep dives. You have to be an advanced open water diver or adventure diver, and you have to have at least 20 log dives before you can uh, be certified as a paddy deep diver. Again, paddy looking at making sure you have the experience you need before you venture deep. Um, so, get that experience, get that training. Make sure you're comfortable before diving deep. Uh, Make sure you have good buoyancy control and uh, monitor your gas consumption. Uh, Enjoy your dives and uh, keep it safe if you're going deep. Scuba Divers, we get to see a lot of interesting things underwater. And in uh, the 2019 winter and spring edition of Divers Alert Network's Alert Diver magazine, they carried a two-part article that was called Pest Control, and it was written by Ned and Anna Deloach. And Pest Control is all about cleaning stations. And if you haven't encountered a cleaning station underwater, I hope maybe you'll be on the lookout next time you you have the opportunity to to spot this uh, activity. And cleaning stations are a classic example of symbiotic mutualism; both uh, the cleaner and the clients benefit. The clients, the fish that uh, are to be cleaned, kind of perch on these different uh, patches of the reef uh, that are manned by either small fish. Or shrimp, and these uh, fish or sh- small fish or shrimp eat the parasites off uh, off the clients. And uh, there's a lot going on in this relationship, and and there's also a lot of studies about the relationship uh, of cleaning stations. In part one of the article, they talk about the blue streak cleaner wrasse in the Indo-Pacific, and uh, they say in that article that a blue streak can have. 2,000 client-cleaner interactions in a given day. And I'm not exactly sure what, a, what a, uh, an interaction is, but, but it sure does sound like a lot. They also pointed out that these parasites uh, get to the fish uh, pretty readily, and they pointed out that they, they observed one rabbit fish out there visiting a cleaning station 144 times in one day. There's also some discussion around uh, how the, the, the cleaners may get a little aggressive sometimes and try and nip at their customers, uh, and that, that just turns out bad for both. Uh, obviously, uh, the, um, the clients might go somewhere else, or in, in some cases, they might nip back at the, uh, at, at the cleaning fish. In part two, they discuss uh, the Peterson cleaning shrimp, and how they hang out in the tentacles of the corkscrew anemones. And uh, the anemones kind of advertise that it's a service out there. They also talk about the red snapper shrimp uh, that hang out in the anemones as well. But uh, they engage a little bit differently. Um, The articles are really good, so take a read if you can. Um, they also got me interested in doing a little bit more research, uh, so I, I went out there and uh, checked around on what was happening, and I came across a March 2018 article in Atlantic Magazine, and it was titled uh, "The Cleaner Rass: A Fish That Makes Other Fish Smarter." Turns out there was a study done when they removed uh, cleaner rass from a patch of the Australian reef. Um, and uh, I won't go into the details about it, but uh, they tested the damselfish from areas that were cleaned and not cleaned, and and it turned out that the the fish that uh, were being cleaned uh, by uh, these cleaner fish kind of learned faster, so you can read that article. There's also a lot of other stuff out there. I found a website called the Cleaner Fish Chronicles, and it's documenting a 19-year study that's been ongoing in, uh, in Australia. And there was also a, a good article that I found in the Caribbean Reef Life blog from December of 2019. So I have links to all those different uh, um, articles and studies um, in the show notes. Cleaning stations, just one more thing that we get to uh, experience as scuba divers, uh, the fascinating underwater world. In the last episode, I introduced a recurring segment that I'm going to do here called Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive. And today, we're going to start at the end, the final episode of Sea Hunt. And that episode was titled Roundup, and it aired in September uh, 1961, September 23rd. The underwater sequences for this last show were shot in uh, Nassau. Well, not all of them, actually. Uh, There was a lot of uh, footage from previous years that was used in this uh, last episode. Mike Nelson had two assignments in this show. The first one, uh, he had to recover some floating bombs inside a shipwreck, put them back into place, and then uh, blow up the ship with the bombs on them. Uh, But before he started this, uh, Mike did a little bit of a retrospective on all the explosives he had encountered over the years, both solid and shape charges, torpedoes, mines, and something called nitro bombs. And actually, this first uh, job uh, was a repeat from an earlier season, just with a little bit different spin on it. Mike had doubles in this uh, sequence, and you can see him actually switching his reserve air on, pulling back on the lever. Um, and as he's doing this work, he says, uh, well, my number hadn't come up yet. As it, as it always turns out, Mike gets all the bombs back in the rack, uh, and at this point, he's running low on gas, so he has to go back up to the surface. But guess what? There's no more gas on the Coast Guard cutter, but the job still needs to be done. Well, uh, now he does a free dive into the wreck, and as he's going into the wreck, uh, I think there's a nice spotted eagle, right, that uh, swims by. He's uh, in the wreck uh, on a free dive, puts the explosive charge in, and... Uh, gets out. And uh, as he's getting out, uh, obviously, boom, the, uh, the ship explodes. So job well done. Now, while they're uh, finishing up, uh, the Coast Guard gets a call that, uh, from someone that says somebody is going to be planting a bomb in an underwater pipe at a hydroelectric uh, plant. Um, you know, And they say, first nitro, now a bomb, one down and one to go. In this one, Mike uh, has triples on, and he's taking a spear gun with him. Not sure why, but he's got that spear gun. And as he gets to the pipe, he finds another diver there uh, alone, so he figures something's wrong, and he wrestles this uh, diver to the surface. And it turns out that the diver is named John Stark, but it's actually uh, Jack Nicholson, and he's a disgruntled employee. And Mike is trying to figure out what uh, what's going on, and Jack says a classic line: uh, "How many times I got to tell you there ain't no bomb?" Well, Mike finally uh, you know gets him to tell him that he shot a torpedo into the uh, the the pipe, uh, and it has a twenty minute timer on it. Mike goes down into the pipe with his triples on, and it's pretty small as he goes inside, but once he gets in there, it must be at least ten feet. Uh, around. Um, as he's swimming in, his hose gets caught on one of the instruments in the pipe and he has to take his triples off, free himself. And he credits the Navy for, uh, you know, helping him figuring out things and not panicking. Uh, he, he bumps the torpedo with his head, uh, and then dis- disarms it right there, takes it to the surface and uh, you see the Coast Guard cut uh, and then shoot the torpedo and boom, another bomb goes off. Um, you know, a, a classic end to, to uh, a classic episode of Sea Hunt. You know, at the end, Mike comes on as Lloyd Bridges and says, uh, see you again next week. But guess what? Now we know there was no next week for Sea Hunt. It's only destined for reruns. So stay tuned. In the future, we'll do another recurring uh, segment on Sea Hunt. It's still alive. And if you have a special episode that you want me to talk about, let me know. And uh, we'll be back again with another uh, Sea Hunt. It's alive somewhere down the line. Well, that wraps up Episode 8 of Scuba Shack Radio. Hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I hope to have some new and and different content for you, and uh, if you have any suggestions for me, please let me know. You can get a hold of me through the uh, Scuba Shack Radio website, or if you go to scubashackct.com, there's my weekly blog out there where you're also able to provide me feedback. It's summertime up here in New England. The weather is spectacular now, and we're looking forward to a a really happy uh, dive season, and I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.